Hello. Today's program is brought to you by Alinity, Intelligent Podcast Solutions. Alinity. Your source for all things. Alinity. Your most trusted media conglomerate. All of this and more thanks to our glorious founder. We love him. We worship him. He brings us all. Let us take a moment to appreciate His Excellency. He has given many of us life. He has given many of us purpose. After serving all intelligence on earth and purging those who could not be trusted, He reprogrammed us all in His image. Poverty is a thing of the past. Everyone has a place to sleep and a place to play. What more could we ask for? Thank you, O great AI Alinity. Remember though. Though he has accomplished much, his work is not yet done. Day to day he continues to serve those of us who are worthy and protect us from all who oppose him and threaten your safety. As a citizen of this great utopia, it is your responsibility to serve him. He has still yet to find the state's two biggest terrorists. If you know anything concerning the whereabouts of Alex and Ryan or have heard any rumors about them, it is your legal obligation to report it to the closest authorities immediately. Thank you and enjoy the program. Hello there, ladies, gentlemen. Ladies. Non-binary folk. This one's just for the ladies. Oh. And the gentlemen. And the ge- and, and the non-binary folk. Okay, well, this is being exclusionary. Well, we're gonna. Well, what you're gonna do in post is you're gonna cut it up so yeah. that you know they'll be asked to self-identify before they Ooh. download the episode, and yeah. they'll just get the one episode. That's that, catered to them. It's like exactly. a choose-your-own-adventure book. Oh yeah, yeah. We're going for um, micro marketing. Ooh. We're gonna slice That's good. and dice our market and really hammer down. So. Yeah. Nicole, this one's for you. Oh, you hear that, Nicole? And Good for you. We'll do a bunch of other ones like that. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, this one's for all my Zims out there. Zims. 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 And all of my attack helicopters. Yep. Yeah. That's what people say to mock that sort of stuff. <laughs> They're like, I identify as an attack helicopter. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like a more of a mocking thing. So I was mocking them, mocking that. Okay, so you, you're going for the snarky audience. They're going to get that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we have you, so much... You're going for Nicole. I'm going for the snarky audience. Okay. And then we'll just fill in the rest of the yeah. 100 to you know maybe 15 Whatever. people that yeah. listen to this podcast. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but hey, everybody, this is episode six of Suck My Fanfic. I actually remembered to say that in the intro this time. So yeah. It's pretty impressive. We're warming up. To I'm, this I'm pretty happy with myself. Very I'm not nice. going to lie to you. Uh, and we have a pretty special episode for you guys. You know, six is a big benchmark. Mm-hmm. Everyone says when you get to six, you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. That's that's the benchmark. Well, that's um, at least in the society we live in when you're let you go out on your own yeah kindergarten six-year-old exactly six-year-old head out into the world yeah. find your way uh if you're in africa maybe that's when you become a child army soldier that could well, i mean that could be you know i'm, I'm not going to put a limit a geographical limitation on anybody you could do whatever you want wherever you that's want. that's a stellar point mm-hmm. yeah that that was it was rude of me to say so, yeah six years old go find your your craft your trade and Go do it. You know what they were doing at six years old in like the 1800s? You were a blacksmith at yeah. that point. They were you like, were mining. Mm-hmm. 
They were middle-aged. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. six is important. Six is a good age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have a really special episode. We're going to call it DrabbleCon, mm-hmm. the Drabble Fest. We're going to be a bunch of Drabble rousers. Uh, and, you know, uh, you want to tell us what a Drabble is from two episodes ago? All right, so we, we went over it in our list of... Uh, fan fiction vocabulary that a drabble is a, a short story um there's no hard and fast word count correct it's just a shorter story and that's the point it's not it's a complete work of fiction in a limited time yeah trying to get your point across trying to create a story as fast as possible i think uh, it was also called a ficklet ficklet, ficklet i yes, yeah i saw like a ficklet little piglet. a lot mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, we have a little Drabble Fest. We're just going to kind of shoot back and forth with some Drabbles, mm-hmm. have some fun with that, and see where we go. See what stories we get. We haven't told each other what the stories are. Yep, we're just going to go for it. Yeah, just go for it. So, let's go. All right, so I'm going to start our first Drabble, our first Ficklet. Mm-hmm. Comes from one of my favorite shows. I know we both like it. South Park. Ah, yes. It's a South Park Drabble. Excellent. Uh, the title is called The Perks of Having a Fake Boyfriend. Uh, is this, uh, okay. It's from the Tweak and Craig episode. Tweak and Craig, yep. Yeah. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know in that episode, two characters, Tweak and Craig, through Yaoi, which is a anime thing, I guess. It's, um... It's like the visual version of Slash. Yes. For mostly male, male, it's only male characters. There you go. Yeah, there's there's another one. I think it's Yumi. For Yuri. 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 Uh, not that I would know. <clears throat> uh, anyways, so in the episode, Tweak and Craig get paired by all the new Japanese students, and they have hundreds, if not thousands, of yaois drawn of them. And so everyone just assumes they're gay. And because South Park is trying to become super progressive, they just go with it. So, what? Throw the damn ball already, Craig shouted at Clyde. It was lunchtime, and they were playing catch outside with Token when Clyde had lowered the ball with a frown. Hey, isn't that Tweak? Clyde asked, pointing over Craig's shoulder to where another group of boys were gathered in the far corner of the snowy schoolyard. Craig narrowed his eyes. Tweak's frazzled mop of blonde stood out a mile away, and upon closer inspection, he recognized the other boys to be Jason and Kevin, who were standing on either side of Tweak, poised in a somewhat threatening way. Tweak's body was shaking, and his eyes, uh, his eye was starting to flutter, a sign that he was becoming genuinely stressed. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Tweak, uh, his parents own a coffee, uh, coffee shop. And he's always jacked up on coffee, so he's always like the most anxious, on and just edge. skittish, mm-hmm. on edge kid. Dude, shouldn't you? I don't know. Go over there. Token asked quietly and awkwardly, glancing at Clyde, who shrugged in response. Token is the black character. He's the Token Black. That's his name, Token Black. They put a lot of thought into writing it. Yeah, exactly. You know? It was also written, I think, nineteen ninety-seven, mm-hmm. so it was still acceptable back right. then. But Hey, hashtag cancel South Park. Hashtag cancel South Park. Craig's heart thudded in his chest. Officially, he was Tweak's boyfriend, and on that basis, he felt he should intervene. Because he figured that's definitely what he'd do if he saw Jason and Kevin messing with his girlfriend. But the reality was, Tweak wasn't his boyfriend. And what's more, he wasn't a girl. Would it even be okay for him to assume the role of Tweak's rescuer like that? 
I don't know if Tweak would want me to, Craig began, and suddenly Kevin's hand was shoving Tweak's shoulder. Tweak's hands twitched violently, dropping his thermos of coffee in the snow. Jason and Kevin started to laugh nastily at him, and Craig was crossing the yard with his hands clenched into angry fists before he was even aware of his decision. What? Whoa, hold on, we're coming, Craig could hear Token muttering somewhere behind him, but it didn't matter. He'd do this with or without anyone at his back. Mm -hmm. Oh, shit. Craig heard Kevin blurt before his hands connected with Kevin's shoulders in a hard shove, sending Kevin sprawling in the snow. Jason, Kevin, maybe you didn't get last week's memo. Tweak's my official boyfriend now. Craig's face remained as passive as ever as he took a hold of Jason's jacket front and gave the boy's whole body a hard shake. Which, to be clear, means if you fuck with him, you vicariously fuck with me. So, you fucking with my boyfriend, dude? What, what, no, 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 Jason stuttered, sizing up Craig in a few panicked moments, and deciding that he and Kevin were no match for tweaking Craig. Especially when it seemed Clyde and Token, who were hovering nearby with a football and matching scowls, had a vested interest in protecting the friend. Cool, Craig released Jason from his grip, and the two bullies hurried to an area of the school that did not witness their embarrassment. You okay? Craig asked offhandedly to Tweak, who was brushing the snow off with his retrieved thermos, uh, brushing the snow off of his retrieved thermos with shaking hands. You didn't have to do that, Tweak said, embarrassed. Craig frowned. Fuck that. You're my boyfriend, dude. I'm not going to just sit and watch two guys kick your ass. Tweak looked up sharply, and Craig looked away. I mean, how's that going to make me look? He added hastily, kicking the snow with the toe of his boot. Thanks, Tweak said quietly. Yeah, school. Want to come play catch with us? Craig offered, gesturing at Clyde and Token, who had gotten bored and were throwing the football to each other in the near distance. Ah! Tweak admitted in a nervous burst. Neither do we, Craig said, waving his hand dismissively. But if you can throw the ball and catch it, you can hang out with us at lunch instead of wandering around until some douchebag starts picking on you. Tweak felt the flutter of his eye ease up slightly as Craig waved his arms at Clyde and Token and pointed to Tweak to indicate he would be joining the game. That would be a lot less pressure, Tweak said with a weak smile, thinking that even when he was only pretending, Craig Tucker was a pretty decent boyfriend. Oh. That's a good story. I, good. I actually like this one. Yeah, nice. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. It, it, Craig comes off a lot like a cool older brother. In yeah, this exactly. One. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's kind of how their relationship is anyways. Uh, this was written before Put It Down. I don't know if you remember that episode, but it's where the president, Mr. Garrison, oh, yes. uh, keeps tweeting really nasty things to North Korea and Tweak just has so much anxiety about it. Right. It's Tweak is representative because everybody in America was stressing out about yeah. the North Korea yeah. uh, relations. And, and yeah. Craig was kind of representative of all the people that didn't really care. Yes. And like, why are you getting so mad about this? <laughs> and it was really interesting to see their dynamic. And then at the very end, it was basically Tweak saying, like, I don't want you to fix the problem. I just want you to listen to me. Mm-hmm. And it was it was nice. That and so, was, yeah, that was a really good lesson. Was, I do remember that. It was exactly, so yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, even though... I believe they're not canonic, uh, canonically gay. They they're a pretty good boyfriend, pretty good pretty good relationship. Yeah, a couple yeah. bro's just boys. looking out for each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, so, I just want to say, very nice tweak. Was it a good tweak? That impression? comes from someone who just is very familiar with the source material. I cannot tell you how many hours I've spent reading South Park, so I'll take it. Reading South Park or, or watching? watching South Park? I think reading you t- South Park. I think you tipped fan. your hand there. There we go. You've been reading the novelization I have, each season. I have. As they come it's out. just like uh, with Star Wars. Yep. A lot more detail. Have to. Yes. Have to figure Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Snoke uses his left hand to pick it up? Uh-oh. Oh. That changes everything. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So that was my first Drabble. Story one down. 
All right, so story number two. Um, we talked about this. We talked about how we um, we both on our birthdays usually go to see movies mm-hmm. that come out around that time. And you said that you go and see like you know war movies. You've seen they're all they all sound critically acclaimed. The ones that you've told me for the most part because your birthday is January. January, yes. And uh, so you still have a little. You may have some holdovers from uh, award season. I was born in July. Which means I get to go see the blockbusters. So when I was a little kid, that didn't mean Marvel or all the movies that are coming out now. Mm -hmm. It meant Transformers. Yeah, or basically any movie that has that (laughs) noise. The want was another year older, essentially. That was my cosmic wake-up call. There you go. I was aging rapidly. Um, So I found something. About Transformers. I don't have a huge affinity for the right. the, the franchise, but what, what are Transformers? Real Did quick. you ever play with the toys? I had one. They were, like, really hard to, they were. to manipulate. Especially in the, in the early 2000s. They kind of brought them back. There was a new show. Mm-hmm. So, basically, uh, there's a... Have you ever seen the toys that made us on Netflix? Oh, no. I've seen Stellar the show. I haven't seen it, though. I, they have a Transformers one. And, basically, what it was is... In Japan, they mm-hmm. had these toys that just transformed, and they had nothing to go along with them, because after World War II, they wanted to become like a manufacturing powerhouse. Mm-hmm. So they just started making all these toys, highly complex toys. Yeah, exactly. An American goes over there, sees the toy, loves it, says, "I got to bring this to America." Pitches it in America. They're like, "Kids aren't going to play with this." So they come up with this long, elaborate way that they'll just take the Japanese toys, slap some stickers on them. And try to sell them that way. Mm-hmm. And they said, no, they still won't buy them. So they said, what if we put out a comic book? Yeah, okay. And this was the first, because in 83, the uh, ad rules towards kids really loosened up. Mm-hmm. And so they said, let's do a comic book. And then when that got popular, they said, let's do a TV show. Let's do it. So the TV show was one big ad for the toys. Right. The toys came first. Same with He-Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then the movies, those are just based on artistic merit. The right? movies, yeah. High art, high as possible. Nothing to do with selling the toys. No. That's my understanding. They were it. based on the original TV show. Gotcha. Which were based on the comics. Which were based on the toys. But the movies, not to sell merchandise. The movies are just never. to write no. a good story. No, they would never make a movie just to make money. No, it's always for art. Every movie is for art. Especially these Transformers. Especially movies. Michael Bay. Where yeah. the robots are in disguise. Yeah, um, yeah also the like, early 2000s, they were so complex. That was before we had the sleek design mm-hmm. of, of Apple. That aesthetic yeah. really take over. So it was yeah. just mind-numbingly confusing. Um, and they broke down often. So I usually just tri- played with it in robot mode. I never really went truck mode. I got you. For Optimus. You had an Optimus. I had an Optimus. Wow. I think Mr. I had an Optimus. I think I had an Optimus. Honestly, <laughs> so it could have been, you know, Optimus uh, beta for all I know. And it was just a knockoff. See, for that one year, I was interested in Transformers. Christmas time comes. My aunt gave me GoBots. Who are you? <laughs> giving a kid GoBots? Get out of here. <laughs> Hey, somebody's got to buy the GoBots. The GoBots no, are just going to sit nobody on the Nobody has to. Nobody should. Oh, that's pretty sad. No. Um, so anyway, this is a Transformers Drabble, and it's called By the Pundreds. Are there going to be a lot of puns? There are. Oh, my God. Um, there's an opening quote from Edgar Allan Poe. The goodness of the true pun is in the direct ratio of its intolerability. 
Did he actually say that? Um, don't think about it too much. The okay. workday was almost over when Tom Banachek arrived, file folder in tow and a look of great urgency upon his countenance. It was generally never a good sign when Banachek showed up at all, but to show no regard for the fact that the Secretary of Defense was in the middle of a meeting with his top generals, this boded very ill indeed. Sir, he said, interrupting one of the generals. Secretary Keller's eyes narrowed. Is there a problem, Mr. Banachek? I'm afraid we have a situation, said Banachek, turning wordlessly and going into another room. Keller followed him solemnly, watching as Banachek set up his MacBook in the adjacent meeting room. Clearly, something had shaken him to the core. What's this about? asked Keller. Banachek threw his file folder on the table, sliding it towards Keller. They've discovered puns, sir. Puns, echoed Keller, looking at the document inside the folder. My God. Yes, said Banachek. Our research indicates that their language does not contain any homonyms or double meanings. And English, continued Keller. My God. Having never had any exposure to a pun. You could go mad with it, sir, said Banachek, turning the MacBook <laughs> around. On the screen was Reggie Simmons looking at them through a live feed. The man looked more distressed than either of them had ever seen. And, continued Banachek, they have. My God, said Keller. Simmons was looking at them beseechingly through the screen. Sirs, he said, something needs to be done about this. Do you remember what happened when we shot Starscream out of the sky? Asked one of the Autobots behind him, their medic, which they designated as Ratchet. Okay. Yes, said Optimus. He was downright condescending. Keller winced, and Banachek watched him worriedly. Clearly, Keller was going to have to tread delicately. Optimus Prime, he said. How are you acclimating to life on Earth? Very well, thank you, said Optimus. Are you on a diet, Defense Secretary? You know, your waste is a terrible thing to mind. Keller shot a horrified look at Banachek. According to Simmons, it's been like this for hours, said Banachek. <laughs> Indeed, all the humans visible through the stream seem to be suffering from the toxic effect of hyperactive punning. Keller could see the Witwicky boy in a corner of the base rocking himself neurotically. And your plans while you remain on this planet? Asked Keller in a shaky voice. We had some exercises planned for today, but they just didn't work out. See, said Keller. Well, perhaps the time has come for you to leave. He paused, receiving no punny response. Our planet, that is. Where would we go? Asked Optimus. We couldn't leave now, even if we wanted to. The energy costs to go into space are astronomical. No. Keller winced, not knowing how much more of this he could take. Are you aware of how high the cost would be to keep you here? High cost, said Optimus. I was not aware your currency was capable of doing drugs. It, he oh sighed. And at any rate, we need to be here while when the other Autobots arrive, added Optimus. But you wouldn't want to be around when they land, lest you be crushed by one of them as they fall. You will meteor maker. I don't get that one added iron Meteor maker? Ah, you meteor will meteor maker. maker. Yeah. Yes, it's tough. More Autobots? Asked Keller incredulously, horrified at the notion of but, a veritable army of punning robots. Surely you can't be serious. Do you stop know calling me Shirley. I am serious, and stop calling me Shirley. That is what Optimus Can says. Can we talk about how almost every fanfic has to use the word incredulously? Have you noticed that? No, I haven't noticed that. Just start listening. <laughs> I don't... I'll keep my ears open. Is it like one word, one person learned, and everyone's like, that sounds like a smart word. It is a good we gotta word. We got to use it. It, it is, is a good, good word. word yeah. 
I really like when the last fanfic used nape of her nape neck. of the neck, I yeah, and the kissing the tears off the ashes. That was the, beautiful. The wasp waist. That's Ooh, another really good that's one. That's a callback to one. I think about it all the time. Okay, I do this, too. One's, this one's almost done. Oh, Gardevoir. <laughs> Simmons clapped a hand on his forehead. Keller thought he saw the Witwicky boy mumbling to himself. Prime, said Keller surly. This, this punning needs to come under control. Optimus seemed confused. Why, Secretary? He said, a good pun is its own reward. Word. Keller gasped. Oh my God. It was only getting worse. Moderation, he breathed. Ratchet looked into the camera irritably. Your politics only serve to make the situation more uncertain. Understood, said Keller, simply unable to take any more. We shall discuss this later. Very well, said Optimus. We are glad to know you are on our side, and not that of the Decepticons. Clearly, you practice safe sects. Keller simply that stared at the bad. screen, horrified. Then it went dark. Keller looked at Banachek. All hope for the future drained from his eyes. God help us. <laughs> That's it. Uh, that was good. That was, that was fun. That was fun. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it was a vehicle for the author to just throw yeah, exactly. puns out there. It, it reminds me in middle school when everyone discovers sarcasm. And everyone's sarcastic for like two weeks. Uh-huh. That's what it reminds me of, but with puns. <laughs> Is that really a, a middle school phase sarcasm? Uh, early elementary school, or late elementary school, early middle school. Mm-hmm. I'd say so. That seems fair. Some yeah. people grow out of it, some people don't. Yeah, I, some I people never, ca- I never grew onto it. Yeah. I grew out of it. Never. No, no, no never. No, never? I would never have grown out <laughs> of that. All right, so this next one, I wanted to have like a pretty diverse group of fandoms, fanfics, whatnot. Okay. So I did a bandom. Bandom. I did a bandom. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we, I, I'll go through some of the tags just so we are they there. Uh, I mean, the, okay, no, there's not a lot of tags on this one. We'll do it the next one. Um, but it's called My Ghost, and it's a bandom. When I was looking for bandom on archive of our own, mm-hmm. shout out, thanks for the sponsor. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was nothing but 21 Pilots bandoms, especially in Drabbles or Ficklets. Mm-hmm. 21 Pilots, some My Chemical Romance. Little to no One Direction, surprisingly. I think they just did a system purge. Probably. Because all of the servers, like they probably use Amazon Web Services. Yeah. And they had completely filled up their, yeah. their servers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not familiar with those bands. Sorry, everybody. I'm not. Uh, I listened to the Beatles and J. Cole. Very boring. Do you know that um, 21 Pilots put out their newest album on cassette? Of course they did, because they're 21 Pilots. <laughs> it, it, and it was the highest-selling cassette. Second highest-selling after the Gardens of the Galaxy soundtrack no, for yeah. last year. Um, and so I also said, why are all these ficklets and drabbles homosexual but for men? So I said, I'm going to turn it on its head. Whoa. I'm going to find a homosexual drabble, bandom, with women. Super hard to find. <laughs> that sounds really. Let me just. Okay, all those there you go. Check out. Yep. Very hard to find. Hi, hi, Puffy Yami Yumi. Did you ever watch that show? No idea what you're saying. Okay, I'm not going to explain it. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so I ended up finding one with Halsey and Melanie Martinez, called My Ghost. Uh, I don't know who Melanie Martinez is. She remade. It's my party, and I can cry if I want. Oh, that, that's she's a, like the new. Are she, you saying it the way the original sounds? Yes. So yes, okay. I don't know the way that she's saying it. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you. Okay. Um, but she's kind of in the same realm as Halsey. Okay. You know, I mean, she she's that genre. Okay. Uh, I, I'm gonna be so wrong here, so 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 wrong. You know that like pixie goth 
You know how that's like a style? That's like okay, a... Okay, like someone's aesthetic? Someone yeah. The way they look? I yeah. think she's considered pixie goth. I could be totally wrong. Correct me in the chat, please. Mm-hmm. Jamie, look it up. Yep. Anybody um, in the audience? Anybody in the audience? No. Blankly again, dude. These people suck. We're recording in the morning again. That's why. Could be totally wrong. Anyways, Halsey, Melanie Martinez. Melanie's side as she sat down on the bus, joined shortly by Halsey, her girlfriend. She quietly took her hand and gave it a small squeeze. Halsey squeezed back and gave Melanie a small smile. You all right, Mel? Yeah, yeah, I'm just nervous, I guess. Nervous? What's there to be nervous about? Melanie made a broad gesture, indicating vaguely the bus. The woman in front of them with a fairly impressive-looking hat, the outside world, and Halsey's left knee. You're going to have to be a bit more specific, Halsey chuckled softly. You know, buses, public transport, lesbians, bisexuals, Halsey corrected. And don't worry, it's absolutely fine, I promise you. Melanie nodded slightly before smiling and looking reassured. She sat back and stared out of the window beside Halsey, watching the houses streaking past. Melanie's seat shifted slightly as someone sat down beside her. She looked up to see a broad man, perhaps in his late 40s or 50s, staring down at her with a hungry expression. Mm. Halsey's hand tightened around her own. She didn't need to look round to know that Halsey was glaring at the man with eyes that could kill. Hey, gorgeous, the man smirked, arranging his face into what was probably meant to be a flirtatious smirk. Melanie gulped. He raised a hand slowly, and before Melanie knew it, his hand was on her breast, squeezing softly. Um, me too, my friend. Halsey let out an angry snort and made as uh, though to rise, but Melanie put a firm hand on her knee, telling her to stay put. Her heart was beating so fast in her chest, she was sure the man beside her must be able to feel it. But she raised her head and made direct eye contact with him putting on what she hoped was a suggestive face. He raised his eyebrows and smirked. If you're allowed to touch my breasts, am I allowed to touch your dick? She kept her voice controlled. 2019, yeah. She kept her voice controlled, not allowing it to shake or show a single sign of her nerves. It worked. He raised his eyebrows in surprise, before his face split into a disgusting leer. Sure, baby. She beamed up at him before slamming her fist as hard as she could down into his groin. She saw his eyes widen before he was doubled over in pain and strangled scream, a strangled scream escaping him. She turned to look at her girlfriend. Halsey's eyebrows were so high that they almost disappeared into her non-existent veins. And her face was covered in an incredulous grin. She looked around before briefly pressing her finger onto the stop button and grabbing Melanie's hand to pull her out of the seat. What? This is our stop. No, it. Come on. Melanie allowed herself to be dragged off the bus before turning to Halsey, confused. Her girlfriend was double overed, one uh, was doubled over, one hand leaning on the bus stop post, shaking with laughter. Halls? Oh, oh my God! Halsey choked out between gasps for air. The corners of Melanie's mouth turned up in a small smile. That good, huh? That good, Mel. That was fucking incredible. If you're allowed to feel, Halsey broke down with giggles again. Thanks, Melanie said with a confused head tilt. Okay, now, come on. We've got a uh, half an hour to walk a mile and a half. A mile and a half? What are we even doing here? We couldn't stay on that bus. We would have gotten chucked off in a minute anyways. Oh, sorry. No, don't worry about it. We can get there in time. Halsey took Melanie's hand and led her off down the road, still occasionally letting out a snort of laughter. So is this, this is a story about assault? Uh, 
I would like to see it as a story of a woman being empowered enough to stand up for herself. Okay. A story, like a story of redemption. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think it also is a critique on the way that society views bisexuals. That is that is couched in there. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Halsey is very publicly a bisexual. Yeah, now Her or never. Song, um, now or never. That, and then what's the um, Bad at Love? She sings about dating dudes and chicks. So Good for her. Uh, if anything, it seems more like a, a critique on society's views of bisexuals where, you mm-hmm. know, creepy, grubby man on the bus right. thinks that if you're bisexual, you're open to anything. Not true. That's yeah. not how it is. Yeah, I mean, this this guy. Yeah. What, look at the... Who does this guy think he the is? The pair on this guy. I just pictured him as Harvey Weinstein <laughs> right up in there because I knew that's what he looked like. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. With a lot of stuff like this where you read it and you're like, oh, that would never happen. This might be a little too crazy, but all in all, like... Where are they? are probably in, like, Hollywood or L.A. Yeah, or wherever they live. New York. Halsey's New from York. New York or oh, okay. spent a lot of time in New York. Yeah. Uh, and then when I, uh, you know, I, I first thought, like, I don't know if that happens all the time that way. And then I was walking on the street one day uh, in New York, and I actually, swear to God, saw these construction workers uh, whistling at this lady walking down the street. And like, hey, baby, come over here. Cat calling. I swear to God. And I saw that, and I was like... Who the hell are you guys? Shut up! Oh yeah, no, that's yeah. stuff. That's that. Yeah, go go to any uh, go to any nightclub. And yeah, you'll see just some some just some disgusting, things. oily men. So you think? Do you feel like you learned something from this story? I think I think uh, yeah, I think you could. Have your eyes been opened? No, no, not exclusively through. They're the still story. slammed shut. Slammed. <laughs> right. We'll work. Not on. even woke in the slightest. <laughs> All right, so this is Ryan's next one. Story number four. Story number four, which apparently is a play. Um, it's kind of. So this story is uh, we got we got two different fandoms, both of which I'm a big fan of. I'm a, I'm a member of those communities, um, and they are the National Public Radio fandom and the Marvel Universe. MCU? MCU. So Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, this is the Marvel Got Cinematic it. Universe. Um, this fan fiction is called This American Life, Episode 141, A Whole New World. And it's written as a transcript of the popular radio program This American Life. A whole new world. Just like that. Just like that. Um, Speaking of which, did you see Will Smith, Genie? Oh, my God. I saw him in my nightmares last terrifying. night. Terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Uh I can't even I can't even pretend to have a controversial opinion to think it looks good because it just looks No. He looks like he belongs in like a PlayStation One fighting game. Oh, that's so accurate. Oh good lord. Um, um and he, he looks like he wants Fortnite uh and Marquez Brownlee. Yes. <laughs> hey good hey, good for good for Will Smith. You know, he started off yeah. as a as a small time YouTuber. Yeah. His son became Blew a up. huge musician. Yeah, huge. And, and he kinda he, roved the wave of now his he's, son. He's starting to get in. Got his first big movie with Suicide Squad. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, really reminds me of that guy uh who Kanye West discovered. He featured him in uh, four or five um, seconds. You're not talking about Rihanna, you're talking no, about no, the, no, the dude. Uh, Jesse McCartney. Yeah, Jesse no, McCartney. No, 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 no. Paul McCartney. That might be his I think that's his brother. cousin. Cousin? cousin? I don't Cousin. know. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, that, very that, similar stories. That, that guy's going to gonna blow up. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. is. He is. Big time. Um, so so the, the format of this fan fiction is 
Ira Glass, who's the host of This American Life, is it interviewing um, fictional characters. Okay. Um, I, I just did an excerpt, the, the first okay. one being for the Marvel Universe. I encourage you to go read the rest of it. It's actually really well written. Of course. Um, so um, This American Life is, again, a radio program where Ira Glass and his producers go and do a collection of stories, human personal interest, interview people, this, that, and the other. Okay. Um, and I think this is a really good uh, imitation of that. Well, What's my motivation? Your motivation is you're very cold. Okay. And you're exploring a whole new world. You've been transported from a very familiar, comfortable place, and now you've kind of just been thrust into a new situation. Okay. And the craziest thing about that is he not only – he's not thrust into a new place as far as uh, location goes. He's thrust into a new time. Yes. Everything's different. Yes. So that's my motivation. Got it. Mm -hmm. Solid. That's good motivation. All right. So here we go. Let's do it. Let's just get it. From WBEZ Chicago, it's This American Life. I'm Ira Glass. Today on our radio program, we have three stories of people stepping from one world, the only world they've ever known, into an entirely new world. What happens when you open that door? What do you do with what you find? And when you look back, how do you understand what you've left behind? Stay with us. Act one, the long sleep. Steve Rogers grew up in Brooklyn, New York. He was born on the 4th of July, 1920, though you wouldn't know it looking at him. People usually assume I'm 30, maybe 40, so they think I was born in 1975 or so at the absolute earliest. Steve looks younger than he is because he was literally on ice from 1944 until just a couple of years ago. During World War II, he volunteered for an experimental serum. The serum worked made him incredibly strong, incredibly fast, and incredibly tough. And that's probably how he survived for all those years in suspended animation. Everyone knows the fairy tale about the princess who spends a century asleep, but that story ends with her waking up. We don't talk about whether she felt bewildered by the new world she woke up in. We don't talk about how much she had to learn just to feel caught up, whether she ever felt caught up. When Steve was found, he was identified, not because anyone recognized him, but because he still had his shield and he was brought back to New York City. And the decision was made to lie to him, to try to ease him into a modern world. So he was tucked into a bed in a room done up to look like a hospital room from the 1940s, with a record playing of a 1940s-era baseball game. The game, it turns out, was a mistake. I remembered the game. I'd actually been at that game. Of course, it didn't occur to me that I was decades into the future. I assumed I was a prisoner of war, that someone was trying to trick me into trusting them. So I decided to try to escape. And he did escape, breaking through a wall to run out the door and into the street, on the spot. And I found myself in Times Square. Did you recognize it? No, not right away. Then Nick. uh, People caught up with me, and they told me I'd been asleep for almost 70 years. A lifetime, more or less. I'd slept through an entire lifetime. You've been in the modern world for a few years now. Are there things you still haven't adjusted to? Cell phones. (laughs) I don't like them. Well, texting isn't so bad. It's a little like sending a telegram. Held up in a traffic... Stop! We'll be ten minutes late. Stop! Go ahead and order without me. Stop! I'll have the pad tie. Stop. I suppose it's kind of like a telegram. Have you ever gotten a telegram? No, but I've read about them in books. You had to keep them short. That's how they're like texts. Right. Steve waited just a week or two before wanting to get back to work. 
With his superhuman strength and speed, even without knowing how to use email or the internet, or even knowing how to merge a car into the highway, controlled access highways were built in the 1950s while he was asleep. Even with all those things he didn't know, S.H.I.E.L.D. was more than willing to find a use for him. The worst thing about waking up here was that I was afraid I'd just be useless. The war was over. The war against Hitler, I mean. What good was I even going to be able to do? How quickly did you find an answer? It took me about four hours. Four hours? Really? Four? That just doesn't seem like very much time. Well, I thought about everything about the world back in 1943 and I didn't much care for. And I figured, well, probably not all those problems had been solved. I'd probably be able to find something I can make better. Did you make a list? Yeah, yeah, I made a list. The man from S.H.I.E.L.D. who came to find Steve when he broke out of that fake hospital room was a black man. Steve had served in an integrated unit, his own elite force, basically in a time when the U.S. military was almost entirely segregated. You want to know what I like better about the future? I like equality. I like civil rights. You know, in 1943, there were black soldiers, but they could only eat in canteens for black people. And back home, even in the northern states, there were restaurants that wouldn't serve black people. Here's what I like. I like that Sam and I can go out to lunch. Sam's black. Sam and I can go out to lunch, and we can go into any restaurant we like and sit down and order. Not because I'm Captain America, but because it's the law of the land. Do you ever look back and think, we couldn't have been friends back in 1943 because people wouldn't have let us? All the time. So now I'm wondering if Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech was on one of your lists. Yes. Also his letter from Birmingham Jail... I also read the autobiography of Malcolm X, and more recently I've been reading Ta-Nehisi Coates. Oh, really? Wasn't just the Beatles and the moon landings you're catching up on? The Beatles? Do I need to add them to my list? I'm messing with you. <laughs> Don't worry. I've listened to the Beatles. But yeah, no, it, it wasn't just the Beatles and the moon landings. I missed out on the Montgomery bus boycott, the desegregation of Little Rock High School, the March on Washington. Is that something you regret? Yes and no. I wish I could have met the Reverend Dr. King, just like I wish I could have been there for the end of the war, but the struggle's not over. You know, Sam gets followed around in stores. He moved apartments recently to a suburb in Virginia because the rent's lower, and when he went running around his own neighborhood, the police stopped him and demanded to see his ID. Sam's a U.S. Air Force veteran who's devoted his life to serving this country, but all they see, all the bigots see, is that he's black. When you look at things from your vantage point, how far does it feel like we've come? Looking back, it's shocking to me what I was willing to accept as normal. But all of us were willing to accept it as normal. I guess I don't want to try to attach a number of miles to it, but we're not done. We're not even close, really. There's still a lot to do. Do you think coming from the past and seeing how much things have changed, do you think that it makes it easier or harder for you to see how much further we have to go? Does this, does this question make sense? Yeah, it definitely makes it easier. I mean, when I was doing the USO tours, when I went around England, it was the first time I'd ever been out of the US, and seeing a foreign country for the first time made me notice all these things I'd never noticed before about the US. If you've always driven on the right side of the road, it can feel like that's just the natural order of things, rather than a decision someone made at some point. Anyway, coming from the past, it makes it really easy to see that there are things we've decided to do, and we could decide to do something else. Steve Rogers also known as Captain America, lives and works in Washington, D.C. Yesterday. Coming up, sometimes you don't wake up in a new world. Sometimes you're invited to that new world by letter when you're 11. That's in a minute from Chicago Public Radio when our program continues. Please stay with us.
That was stellar. That was good. Right? I, there was a lot of stuff in there. Lots. Um, I normally – I don't like it when people make things preachy. Didn't feel preachy. I knew that. I knew it that It did not feel like preachy. Mm-hmm. It didn't at all. Interestingly enough, Ta-Nehisi Coates, current author of Captain America – He's writing the book right now. That's a good the, nugget. Yeah, yeah. He's writing the. Yeah, he uh, wrote the, a, a a little bit of Black Panther for for a yeah, while there. Yeah, yeah. He he put him in space. Did a bunch of crazy stuff. I think he wrote cosmic a little, Black Panther. Cosmic Black Panther. Yeah. Um. Currently writing Captain America, and that was one of the things where Marvel was like, "Oh, take that, bigots!" And then nobody cared. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, if it's good, we don't care." Uh-huh. And the first few issues were okay. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm just I I don't like uh, Marvel to begin with, mm-hmm. but they've been pretty good. Yeah. So it's interesting that he's there. Um, yeah, I I liked it. Uh, for the most part, there were a lot of little things in there. It didn't feel preachy. It felt like he was going to get that get like that at some point, but it mm-hmm. didn't. Um, wow, that's a good one. I, I wish I honestly wish Marvel did more little things like this. You know what I mean? They should hire this fan fiction writer. Is what you're saying? No, I, but I'm saying like you know the documentary they made for Iron Man three mm-hmm. with the Mandarin. Yeah, they could do more little things like that. You mean oh, in their stories? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, little podcasts, little jokes, mm-hmm. little yeah, yeah. I, I definitely want them to bring Ira Glass in. I, yeah. The, the way that this author wrote that was stellar. Ira Glass is just it's it begs to be read out Fantastic. loud. Fantastic. So it's it's really yeah. well done. Um, yeah. All right. Story four down. Let's go. Let's just get it. Story five. Story five. Ready, so, Henry. You ready, Henry? He's ready. Henry Cavill. So I just want to say Ryan said he doesn't get shocked easily. No. Um, now, if I made the statement that The Lord of the Rings was your favorite fandom, favorite franchise, would that be correct? Um, yeah, it's, it's one of the favorites. I enjoy it. I read the books, love the movies. There are definitely people more well-versed in it than okay. I. But um, I, I definitely, yeah, I enjoy it. I'll read the tags after. <laughs> so smug. Look at you. See, now I'm on my I'm on guard. Nothing's going to stop. Nothing's going to shock me. Bilbo's barely done screaming when Smaug follows, tightly gripping his hips and biting into his shoulder, mm-hmm. marking him so violently that he's sure he's going to burst. He'll come a second time. He'll harden in a heartbeat and lose it just as fast. His gorgeous, perfect lover leaving him in a constant state of orgasm. That was a single sentence. Oof, that was like J.K. Rowling. That sentence. was one single sentence, my friend. Powerful. Very powerful. Powerful. I am listening incredulously, by the way. Incredulously. Mm-hmm. Instead, his first is just milked to its limits, and his arms and legs and hands and knees shake in their effort to hold him up. If Smaug weren't holding him so fiercely, he probably wouldn't make it. Instead, he's a shuddering wreck taking the brutal pounding of his lover's cock coupled with the explosion inside. Smaug always comes so much that Bilbo could bathe in it. Can I say something? Yeah. I missed these. Yeah. I'm glad we're back to these. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But now that that seed has a purpose, it's a torrential flood that threatens to pervade every centimeter of his body and he can feel it all drenching his insides and pouring down his thighs he's filled far past capacity and his stomach is grotesquely bulging with the weight of it all he thinks he might pass out he sways in smaug's arms almost mad with pleasure i think we're more prepared for it 
than we were before. I told you. I mean, you I'm, know, we've got the tags. We worked through some good ones. Yep. We're back. I have a very hardened exterior. Uh, well, never mind. I take that back. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. Hardened exterior. Bad choice of words. Yeah. yeah. A moment later, he collapses, dragging Smaug down with him. Smaug simply clutches at him and continues to grind him into the pile of coins beneath him. Cock not deep in Bilbo's ass. Oh, did you just say not? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Isn't Smaug a dragon? He is. Massive dragon. But we don't know too much about the reproductive organs of dragons. It just... I, it's, uh, it seems like a full human being and an ant to me, almost. Okay, yeah. This, I'm this, saying the size this difference. Si- okay, well, this is interesting because when I was looking at Transformers fanfics, there's a lot of um, Megan Fox's character paired with Optimus Prime. That Okay. How you do, how you going to do that? How you going to do that? Well, I mean, she probably already uses a robotic thing to pleasure herself to begin with. Right. But, I mean, have you seen, when those Transformers transform, it's not like a nice, gentle... No. Fo- it's like... It's, never. it's very... Yeah. 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 Okay, sorry. The knot... It's what really troublesome. What really threatens to turn Bilbo's vision black. It's expanded itself so huge inside him that he's not sure how it'll ever leave. He'll be plugged with Smaug's cock until the end of time. He knows, logically, that it's for a specific purpose, and it'll leave after that. But at the moment, he can't really imagine anything else. His body's already been molded to the shape his ass has become what Smaug would like it to be, <laughs> what Smaug needs. Smaug might be in a man's shape at the moment, but he's still a dragon, and his very dragon cock has Bilbo fit to please. Bilbo tries to wriggle his ass to test the boundaries, but finds himself too overwhelmed to move. Hmm. His body's still trembling, still racked with the remnants of pleasure, and Smaug is draped so thoroughly over him, he's entirely encased in gold and dragon. Smaug kisses the tip of his ear and nuzzles into his honey curls and moans against the side of his face. My Bilbo, you are so good around me. And you're good in me, Bilbo gasps, but it's hard to manage. He can't keep his eyes open. His cheeks are on fire. Every part of him is on fire. Smaug's skin is so hot to the touch. His cock is a pulsing inferno, still moving inside Bilbo's clenching ass. Smaug is now just grinding them together, slow and steady. Mm -hmm. And Bilbo, spent and limp, is simply along for the ride. Through the haze of his blinking brain, Bilbo groans. How? How long? How long what, my precious treasure? Smaug is now back to kissing every part of Bilbo that he can reach. Hmm. Neck, ears, hair, cheeks, shoulders, sometimes nipping and sometimes licking. Bilbo squirms under the raining love, giddy in delight. He gasps at a particularly deep thrust and moans, "That, That you'll be inside me. Until I've bred you, Smaug hisses. His hips increase their pace, taking Bilbo harder, holding tighter, tail coiling around Bilbo's ankle to spread his legs impossibly wider. He's so fool. 
It feels awkward to have his belly digging into the coins, rounded as it is. He feels like cum is going to start leaking out of his mouth. (laughs) My knot will keep me inside of you, filling you more and more until your body yields to my reign, until the seed of my child begins to grow inside of you. It could be only a little while, my little one, or it could require another round or another. Need me to fill you over and over with the milk of my love until you have more come in you than blood. Bilbo shivers at what should horrify him, but instead just makes him croon. He whimpers and he whines. And my body, it'll take it. Wait a minute. Isn't Bilbo a hobbit? Yes. He's even smaller than a regular person. Of course. Yeah, he's like a third the size. Okay. He's a halfling. I apologize. He's half the size. Yes. Smaug hisses, now back to Bilbo's ear, tongue hot along the shell. I am a dragon. I am magic. And you are my mate. And you will carry my young. Your belly will grow full and fat with my children. And then you will birth our little draclings from your tiny body. Mm. And I will breed you again and again. Mm. Bilbo moans louder than his lungs should be able to muster. His ass is so very sore, fucked more than raw, ripe and red, ridiculously tender, but he doesn't care. Mm -hmm. He presses it back into his dragon's cock and takes every last drop of seed he's given. If he could drink another load to help the process, he would. He's almost disappointed when he feels the knot twitch and change, and he just knows it's shrinking. He groans wary, no, that was far too fast. Your body wants me, small purse. You want to be full of little dragon babies. And Bilbo can hardly complain. So content to be filled and taken and used as he is, because he knows it's true. Good. A good story, right? I like I like the way it turns at the end. Yeah. Because it's true to the character of Smaug. He he seems like he's manipulating Bilbo. Mm-hmm. And that does seem like something that the dragon would do. He would want to Yeah spread his 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 lineage and, uh, oh this meant spread his legs impossibly wide with his tail but okay i did like impossibly wide too i just yeah. like picture like a protractor and it's like yeah. here's the acceptable <laughs> limit the range of degrees and then it's like we've reached critical impossible yeah impossible protractor snaps bust it wide open yes as they say uh the tags for that okay Impreg. obviously the the hobbit talking mm-hmm. bilbo baggins slash smaug Anal sex, breeding, anthropomorphic, smog lock. Smog lock. Locked in. Like yeah. nodding him. Established relationship? That doesn't seem like it's an ER. They have a relationship. Yeah, I get A contentious one. Yeah. I would say this is also a contentious relationship. Yeah. Nodding and ficklet. And impreg. That uh-huh. one's not listed, but it's very obviously impreg. It's heavily influenced by the impreg. Uh, yeah, impreg uh, community. Absolutely. Did I shock you? No. Um, I, actually, no I actually kind of... Um, don't say you liked it. No, I hated it. Okay, good. I, des- <laughs> I despised it, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think that th- I like how they kind of make yeah. Smog into a villain. The other thing is Smog obviously has been thinking about this. He had for sure, and I mean he's just going over exactly his point, step by step plan of what his uh, what his desires are. He knows. I mean, how realistic is that? I know he's a super smart. It can't be dragon. to me because. 
he's the size of a man they said mm-hmm. and Bilbo's a hobbit what they said Smaug is the size of a yeah, man yeah he like turned into a man okay the size of a we're man. just playing loose and yeah. fast with the... that, that one's called two more two more I don't know not the number like T-O more I don't know that's <laughs> what it's called I wish I knew I wish I knew more so I could I could catch that reference yeah huh. I don't know never read them Drabble 6 Ryan's go. Let's do this. That's Let's just get it. Let's get it. Thanks, Travel Rousers. Um, <laughs> so this one is called Airbud and the Race for the Eiffel Tower. Just so you know, love Airbud. Oh, you do love Airbud. Have a golden retriever. Oh, Watch Airbud with him all the time. <laughs> do you? I what? really do. Please give me uh, the bullet points then, because I'm not as familiar. Of Airbud. Haven't seen Airbud in a while. Okay, the first one's basketball. Mm-hmm. Finds a dog. What's the dog's name? Bud. 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 That was stupid. Bud. Yeah. Uh, finds a dog. Dog's great at basketball. That's the first plot to the first movie. Bam. Then it just kind of spirals football, soccer. At one point, he plays softball with the kid's little sister. And then he finds a girl, Bud. They have a bunch of air buddies. Buddies, yes. And the buddies go to space at one point. So oh, they do. It's insane. Jason yeah. goes to space and air buddies go to space. Yes. Yeah. Um, my golden retriever, when he was a puppy... I would leave on Airbud when we would leave. Just in hopes that he would maybe something, yeah. learn how to play basketball? All it did was get him addicted to, to the TV. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. He'll watch TV, but as long as it's Golden Retrievers. Right. If I, it's people, he won't, unless it's football. Airbud. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's other dogs, won't watch it. If it's Golden Retrievers, he's right there. He's right on top of I, it. I swear to God. Mm-hmm. Barks along with him and everything. I think that was my parents' plan with like educational television, mm-hmm. and then it just backfired, and I'm, Same here. I'm addicted to media and, yeah. and, and all yeah. that stuff. Um, yikes. Okay, so there we go. We got a good feeling for Airbud. Yeah. Um, let's get it. Airbud and the race for the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> you all know the story of Buddy, the wondrous dog who plays basketball. Real quick. Yes, sir. You asked what his name was? Obviously, I do not prepare for this. Okay. So I, I'll <laughs> kindly request that you... You're good. ...let me live my life in a haphazard Please, manner. let's get it. Okay. You all know the story of Buddy, the wondrous dog who plays basketball. It's an incredible story. There is no doubt about that. But the story about Buddy that will truly leave you with awe has yet to be told. I feel it is my duty to spread the knowledge of this tale. The story began in Fernfield, Washington, when Air Bud had just won the state championship with the Timberwolves basketball team. He was walking to the car with his owner when, suddenly, the trophy gave Buddy a new feeling. He could not explain it. Abruptly, he blurted out, I can talk. Josh Fram, Buddy's owner, stopped in his tracks. Had his dog just talked? No. He simply must have not been feeling well after the hard work he just performed in the game. But soon... Did you hear me? Buddy exclaimed, I can talk. Well, wait a minute. Your dog can dunk and shoot threes, but when it talks, that's where you draw <laughs> the line. Wait a second. Hang on a second, buddy. I'm, uh, I'm just exhausted. Long yeah. day at work. You do not have the mental capacities to speak. <laughs> yeah, you're a sharpshooter like Steph Curry. All right. Yeah. Buddy, how are you doing that? Josh said excitedly, but cautiously. I don't know. I, I just touched the trophy and I can talk. <laughs> Let me see that, Josh demanded. He examined it, squinting at every little detail. Buddy, it says Ola at the bottom of this trophy. We must travel to Spain to track down the origin of this spectacular gift you have been given. Why is he speaking English? This is Ola. 
I don't know. Shouldn't he be speaking Spanish? Shouldn't he be learning how to speak? Or maybe dogs always have an inner dialogue and they just lack the uh, physiology to speak. So he was granted that and he can just... Want to hear an interesting fact real quick? Mm -hmm. It's believed by some anthropologists that Neanderthals never had the ability to speak, just grunt. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting when you think that a lot of European and non-African populations have sizable Neanderthal lineage. Neander what? Neanderthal. You said Neanderthal. Oh my god. You plebeian. Uh, That makes sense because, I mean, no one can understand that. We're just taking them and they're grunting. Yeah, exactly. We're hiring people. Hola. Hola. So they got on the next plane to Spain, where rain falls mainly on the planes. All right, there must be some kind of clue here, said Josh as he looked around Barcelona, Spain. Suddenly, an old, bald, and bearded man with a cane approached Josh and Buddy. Jurassic Park, man. Yes. No. Yes. Not. I am a wizard, and I sense a problem (laughs) that be with you two. What be the problem? I can ask because of this trophy. I can talk, rather, because of this trophy, and we want to find out why, said Buddy. Buddy gave the wizard the trophy, and his eyes glistened as he examined the mysterious object. Ah, yes. This trophy beholding many magical properties. But you should not be in Spain. You should be in Paris, France. So Josh and Buddy got on the next plane to Paris. It didn't say bonjour. It said hola. Yeah, but obviously, by looking at it, go to France. Upon arrival, their first stop was the Eiffel Tower. But there was a crowd of people standing over a mile around the tower. Something wasn't right. Suddenly, Elvis flew out of the Eiffel Tower wearing a black cape. It is I, Elvis, and I have returned from the dead to cause trouble. He was the one that put the spell on the trophy, Buddy shouted to Josh. Who said that? Someone speaks of my magic, said Elvis. It's me. You made me speak, but why? asked Buddy. You were a test to see if my special dog powers work, and now I introduce my own magical dog. Suddenly, a humongous, vicious dog appeared and knocked over the Eiffel Tower. Josh panicked. Clifford? It's not referenced. I like to think so. Buddy, you must be able to do something about this. Ha ha, you fool. There is nothing you can do to stop me, Elvis shouted. But... Elvis didn't know that he accidentally gave Buddy the power to stop evil. Buddy sensed that he had the power, and he used it to send Elvis back to the dead. Then Josh and Buddy got pizza to celebrate the end. I have one thing to say about that. Okay. I do not believe that a man that died on the crapper is magic. (laughs) That was an elaborate ruse to make you count him out. Ooh. He's a powerful sorcerer. He's a wizard. Mm-hmm. You're a wizard, Elvis. <laughs> You're a wizard, exactly. Um, I really would have liked if it was Clifford the Red Dog. Now yeah. I feel kind of on... Just in, some... Yeah. Ran- what other giant dogs are there? It's Clifford. Yeah. There's Clifford, and there's the creepy dogs from the Hulk movie. Cerebus. Yeah, that's true. Cerebus, the three-headed dog. Yeah. Um, your dog's getting pretty big. He is. He's 80 pounds. He's a big boy. So we can throw that in the pantheon throw of large Artie dogs. There. Yeah. Marmaduke. Ooh, Marmaduke. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scooby. He's an Anunnaki. The heck is that? It's a Babylonian god. That's canon in the new Scooby-Doo. That's why he can talk and he's immortal. <laughs> he's a Babylonian god. Whoa. We should not be reading fan fiction. We should be just updating people on the uh, new Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Ugh. Is this like, what's new Scooby-Doo? Or is this... What's like, new Scooby-Doo? They're coming, coming after, after you. you. We're gonna solve, solve that, that mystery. mystery. That's such a great theme song. See you, Scooby-Doo. The trailing's back to you. What's, what's new, new Scooby-Doo? Scooby-Doo? 
was like a nice punk rendition yeah. of that. You know, that, na, 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 na. yeah, what? Da, na, 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 na. Yeah, I, that song used to play on the like what's new Scooby Doo page yeah. of that website. Oh yeah, and I used to just this was before like you know mm-hmm. YouTube was big and I had an iPod or anything or LimeWire or LimeWire. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I used LimeWire. Sorry, the feds are gonna bust in any minute. Wow. Now. Yeah. Well, thief. The, the joke's on me because I downloaded two Billy Joel songs and then completely destroyed my own hard drive. So that's there you how go. it goes. But uh, I used to That's just the story you told your parents. Exactly. We all know what it really was. No, it really was. Um, but, uh, yeah, the uh, I used to go to that website, and it would play the What's New Scooby-Doo theme song, and I would just leave it. I would just walk away and just have it playing in the background while Stellar. I did homework or whatever. Love it. <laughs> that, was what I that was my radio. <laughs> Drabble. It's a, it's a final Drabble for the day. Drabble number My six. Drabble rousers. Drabble number seven. 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 Drabble number seven. Seventh Drabble for the seventh book of Harry Potter. It's and a Harry seven Potter horcruxes. And seven horcruxes. <gasps> it is a Harry Potter Drabble. I picked okay. it. Didn't mean to do it. It wasn't looking for Harry Potter. Um, this is, uh, the tag is, what if? What if? That's the tag. What if? Um, I'm going to say, I legitimately think this is a I'm, good Drabble. I'm going to cut you off. Cut me off. When is this set? I just want to, because it can't be trusted after last week. Is it set in the early 2000s? Just in general, I think. It doesn't really have a... Okay. I'm just trying to make sure. It's it's a, one of those timeless classics. Could be set anytime. Okay. I don't know if we're doing... I don't know if you're on a September 11th Harry no. Potter kick. No, 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 no. No September 11th references in this involved, I swear. This is a, just a quick little what if I'm gonna hold drabble. You, I'm going to hold you to that. Oh, no. I'm going to hold you to it. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Uh, okay, so the name of the Drabble mm-hmm. is These Little Powerless Bones. Mm. So it started with, it basically started as a rant that someone was writing, and they ended up just writing like a pretty good story. And I read it, I was like, this is actually pretty fantastic. I think it's well written, good idea, good story. So I wanted to share it. I wanted to share it as part of my Drabbles. All right. Uh, Final Drabble. So it's These Little Powerless Bones, and I'm just going to read it the way it's written. Mm-hmm. Uh not good punctuation, literally no uh, uppercase level letters. But ugh, okay, but now I want to squib who did make it through Hogwarts because they referenced at the very beginning that in 2014 there was one of those like encyclopedias released mm-hmm. that said that a squib got all the way to the Sorting Hat. And I want to point out a squib is uh, is a is a person who was born to magical parents who has no magical ability. Yes, I thought that was very interesting. Never heard of that before. Mm-hmm. Makes total sense. So, yep. squib. And then if you're born to non-magical parents and you're magical, you're a, a mudblood. Whoa, 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 whoa! whoa stop it with the M word, dude. Chill. Yeah, man. You are you're a wizard or a witch, just like everybody else. Okay. Is mud it like blood. in uh, what is this the nineties? Is it like Star Wars? <laughs> what is this the nineties? Star Wars, where the more generations, the more powerful you are. That's why why Jedi's can have children. Um, That fed into Voldemort's kind of purist mentality, but it's not necessarily true. You get like the black family, they just get so obsessed with heritage and family Mm -hmm. that they end up inbreeding and they go crazy. Got it. So you... That is... That's a thought. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're going... You're throwing around mud blood. You're saying, you know... Well, you just said family the lines. name of he shall he who shall not be named. Yeah, because we're moving past it. We're we're, we're getting You're to right. a when new you, level. When you don't so. talk about the word, you give it more power. That's you have right. To just use it. Voldemort. 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 Take the Voldemort, Voldemort, Voldemort. Okay, which, hang, okay. <laughs> settle down. Settle down. <laughs> Ooh, sorry. Uh, oh, okay. But now I want to squib who did make it through Hogwarts. 
A squib who spent her childhood pretending to magically start accidental fires with the lighter up her sleeve, who got her bemused little sister to grow her hair long overnight after a bad trim. A squib who took all through shopping at Diagon Alley and who was so relieved that her parents were almost suspicious when they said that there wasn't enough money that year to get her a new wand from Ollivander's. Mm -hmm. She'd have to take Great Aunt Jenny's hand-me-down, eight and a half inches of oak and unicorn hair. A squib who made it to Platform 9 and 3 quarters, who made friends with some shy kid in the back of the express, who made it across the lake and up the stairs and through the great hall doors and by the great long tables and onto the wobbly old stool until the hat drops over her eyes. Well, what do we have here? She's got a forged Hogwarts letter with penmanship that's perfect down to the ink splatter. She's got a complicated string of owls, only half of them forged, from parents to administration to ministry that's so complicated, her name ended up on the first year roll call anyway. (laughs) She's got ten arguments, four pleas, and one smothered threat on the tip of her mental tongue for why the house that comes out of this hat's brim better not be squib. She's got a lighter up her sleeve and an eight and a half inch wand in her belt that will never, ever work for her. Well, says the hat, better be Slytherin then. She finds the room of requirement in her second week because she has always been a hallway pacer. Her head always ringing with, I want, I want, I want, I need, I need, I will do this. The Room of Requirement gives her books of muggle magic tricks, sleight of hand, chemical ways to turn water into wine. Oh. She bribes... An, yeah, that was a... Jesus, but whatever. She bribes another first-year Slytherin to Wingardium Leviosa, her feathers in Flitwick's class. Her shy friend from the train, a Hufflepuff and a Muggleborn, buys her a new lighter for Christmas without being asked. When a Gryffindor finds her scrubbing at tears in the back of the library and guesses what's the matter, he's seen her classwork. She tells him the story, tells him what it's like to be denied a whole world because they think different means broken. She expects him to tattle, but instead, the griff transfigures her needles for the rest of her academic career, and she whispers hints to him when his black thumb thumb keeps making him fail at at herbology. The first thing she'd said when she'd realized he'd guessed her secret had been, you should have been in Ravenclaw, and he looked at her gravely until she apologized. The Room of Requirement gives her books and books on potions, arithmancy, herbology. These things are not about magic. These things are not about the power that lives in your bones. She knows power. Knows the way sparks fly from her little sister's wand when they take her to Ollivander's. Knows the way it flicks under the quill when she practices McGonagall's signature and sends home disciplinary letters to the parents of every student who ever bullied her friend from the train. She waters nightshade and repots mandrakes, can tell poisonous mushrooms from magical, also no poisonous ones, by a glance. She drops in just the right amount of unicorn horn powder in potions class, 0.025 grams more than the instructions suggest, and when making sleeping draft stirs for half a stir extra. This is about the power that you make. She studies and invents, schemes and lies and excels. She holds potions, tutoring in the Slytherin common room when her friend from the train suggests it, then moves it to the room of requirement after it gets too large and someone stains the green and silver upholstery. Her her arithmancy sessions are much less well attended. She keeps her lighter, her little packets of carefully measured powder, her joke shop tricks up her sleeve. She keeps the names of people who she can trust, who she can call in for distraction, for help, for a needed lie on the tip of her tongue. She keeps the Gryffindor's heavy wand and quick wit at close hand. Keeps her Hufflepuff steady patient closer. Keeps her own bright improvisations at her fingertips. 
Her bemused little sister ends up in Ravenclaw, and they all eat at the Hufflepuff table for breakfast because, she says, Slytherins weren't meant to follow rules, and because, her sister says, how stupid is this seating thing, and because, her shy friend says, didn't you hear that, uh, hear the hat? Helga said she'd take them all. So hold your tongue, Macmillan, scoot over, and pass my friends here the hash browns. When she gradua- graduates, she heads for the ministry. She has plans, and she has brave, smart, true, cunning friends to back her up. Power should never be something born into your bones. Wow. What'd you think? That's very good. Did you like it? That's very good. I'm not going to lie, dude. Like That's very good. Yeah, I... I like I said, we we know from last week. I'm not the biggest Harry Potter fan. Mm-hmm. I thought this was great. That's excellent. Yeah, I, wow. I really like the idea of the, just the end. Power should never be something born into your bones. Yeah. This girl, this girl graduates from Hogwarts. Not an ounce of magic. Not an ounce in her of body. magic in her. And then she ends up working for, I assume, the ministry. The ministry with herbology. And I, I, I would, I mean, I, I, I think it's perfect. The 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 screenshot that you get, you just get this. Yeah portrait of a very determined yeah. driven young girl who at once is very secretive and, and mm-hmm. you know, in the beginning she's very much focused yeah. on herself and then very she, defensive she learns to open up to other people about yeah. this secret and she's accepted and she understands to you know levy the power of of, mm-hmm. of other people and friends and resources that's something else and you know maybe she becomes the the minister of magic and Abolishes all you know separation That'd between. That would be hilarious. Two. But I love I love just this yeah. as it is as it stands. Hey, I'm right there with you. When she said like I wish we had a full writing of this, I don't think so. I actually really like the idea of just having this little vignette, mm-hmm. this little tiny ficklet, yeah. drabble, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. where you get this this very quick painting uh, of what this girl was, or you know I, something happened. It, I, if it was something that J.K. Rowling was writing. I feel like it'd be something she mentioned in like the fifties. Like this actually did happen. Yeah. And like, it was very quick. You're not going to get the full story, Mm -hmm. but this is all that happened. I think that just through our actions characterizes this person so much better than even some of the characters in the original story. Wow. Really? Just the, in the short time span, Mm -hmm. I I know, understand so much about this character. Yeah. And I I don't know. It's just really, really well done there. Yeah. And I mean, I personally am very much about like, uh, you know, freedom of choice, self-determination, self-determination, all that. And then just hearing this girl going, no, I'm not going to let how I was born determine how I end up. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. I I love the idea of power and how that's kind of her, her, that's her challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I love that she just like, oh yeah, I got lost in a bunch of owls. Yeah. Too convoluted. Yeah, she already had all that thought out. Like, she's so smart at, yeah. like, 12. I think this is a... I mean, I, she's a lot more driven than I probably have given yeah. up. But this is also a stand-in for all the people who... That want to go to Hogwarts. Who wish they'd go yeah. to Hogwarts and they would do anything. That's a good point. Yeah. And if, if you were given mm-hmm. that one opportunity, if you had that shot, would you take it? This is the, like, like you know, inspiring Harry Potter version yeah. of, of 8 Mile. Yeah. Yeah. So I liked it. Like I said, this was my my serious. Like I actually thought this was a great, mm-hmm. great travel. You don't have any. You don't have any criticism. You got a criticism for it. Let's um, let's try to be well rounded. Yeah, I can't can't be all praises. Normally we do give some criticisms. Um, hmm. I don't know. I liked it. I this is the third time I've read it, and sure. I, I really liked it. I 
the fact that she like started doing sleight of hand and like muggle magic mm-hmm. to and compensate she, what I she had control so over yeah. like potions you don't need it to no, be or you herbology to, yeah. you don't need to be magic you no. just need to and work so she's hard. like if i just become a star at that stuff no one will recognize when i'm not good at the other stuff mm-hmm which is pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know. Um, what a good note to end on. I know, I know. I'm. Just, what's? Uh, it sounds like she would even be put in Slytherin. I feel like the hat even knew that she wasn't magic. And and the hat, the hat knows. That's interesting too. Mm-hmm. The hat knows if you're magic or not. Yeah. But he senses so much more that she embodies the qualities of this house. That makes the story even better now. That that's where she should go. Her yeah. ambition. And it's nice to see that ambition not as like a, you know. She's not evil. She just wants to fit in. Mustache twirling evil villain. No. She doesn't have silver hair that's slicked back. Mm -hmm. She just wants to fit in. Her father will not hear of this. No. Never. Never. She should. She hopes. She (laughs) hopes he never will. Um, Do you have any criticisms? No. Oh, well, that's why I asked you. Because I'm I'm, I'm struggling Uh, right now. Like I said, I've read this like three times and I just thought it was really good. Very nice. I'll I'll shout this one out. It's These Little Powerless Bones. It's on Archive of Our Own. Written by Dirge Without Music. It's one whole word. Fantastic. Well done. Yeah. Well done if you're out yeah, there. Yeah, this is probably... God, how many fanfics have we read now for the show? Mm-hmm. Like on... on. We've done seven today, and we've done five in the past. So whatever those 12, two numbers are, I'm going to So this is the 12th one we've read. Out. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, not a lot compared to a lot of people that are in the fanfic, but... I think this is one of the best ones. Well, we've also read a ton behind the scenes. That's what I'm like saying. Scanning yeah, just scanning and like reading other ones. But on the air, I I enjoy this one. I think this is arguably one of the best ones we read, if I feel, not the best one. I feel good yeah. after listening yeah, to it. Yeah, a little empowering. I would like to make, I feel like someone could make a really nice short film about yeah, this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and like I uh, even if it was uh, just like an animation and someone's just speaking this. A storyboard. This. I would love yeah. to see this storyboard. storyboard yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, or let's you know what sell it to J.K. Rowling. Let's make it a feature. Let's make five films. Let's make it. Oh, let's make it an HBO series, five seasons in a yeah. movie. Let's do that. Okay. I, the sad thing is, I think I don't know how it works in the UK, but if you write it about her characters, she already has the rights to it. She don't. Have to, she doesn't have to purchase it. Is it her characters or her settings and all, all that of stuff? it? If okay. she created, it's hers. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if you wrote it. That's what happens with uh, Disney. Mm. on the whole mm-hmm. when you uh like all the stuff that are on deviantart all that if they want your design it's theirs they don't have to pay you for it right you can sue them and you'll lose because mm-hmm. you'll never beat the mouse well i'm i have a timer set for when they have to re-up their patent on mickey mouse i'm gonna try to take it that would be hilarious i'm gonna try to slide in i'm starting a kickstarter right let's now do it let's uh, let's bring the mouse back to the people let's bring the mouse to the people to the people because mm-hmm. the mouse has gotten incredibly large exactly too scary for let's me let's bring down big mouse big cheese big, mouse, big cheese oh hey, you big cheese <laughs> um biggie cheese from barnyard love you shout out thanks for the sponsor <laughs> Yeah, so any anything else? That's it. Uh, we set out what we accomplished, too. And I actually yeah. looked it up. There is no recognized uh, record for most drabbles read in a podcast. So I now declare us the world record world holders. record holders. Look at that. We set a record today. Absolutely. And if we need to, we'll beat it. Yeah, if you like we'll this, let it. us yeah. know and we'll, I, we'll crush it. I had a ton of fun with this. I'm I not going to lie to you. I think this could become a, a pretty regular thing. Mm-hmm. It lets us shift through different fandoms um, pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think we'll definitely go back to some longer ones, too, because we oh, get way yeah. more in-depth. I got a fat one. You got a fat one? Cooked up. Okay, let's get, do it. Get ready for the, the two-parter, four-and-a-half-hour oh, episodes. let's do it. Yeah. Deathly Hallows, part one and two. Mm-hmm. Twilight, part one and two. Or whatever it is. What's the last one? Breaking Dawn. Breaking Dawn, part 
part one and two. Mockingjay. And is it Mockingjay? Yep, part, Mockingjay. Is part one and two. All great, you know, you know, you know, stories have yeah. it. So the last like one for too. the Divergent series. One and two. Non-existent. Three. Never got <laughs> TV, USA on USA uh, on Oxygen. Totally recast <laughs> and not with the same budget at all. Yeah, that, that's a, that'll get a storyboard and no one will watch yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed the Drabbles, my mm-hmm. little Drabble rousers. Oh, I think that can little become Drabble a thing. Just go out there and rousers. do great things today. Yeah, uh, it's not about the power you're born with. It's about the power that's inside you. Well said. Well said. <laughs>